you know, a whole lot of companies have that website domain locked down, but they may not actually have it very well protected. We're going to talk about that next on the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. All right, welcome in everyone to another episode of the Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. My name is Marty Carpenter. I'm your host, joined today by Dan Schuyler from Valcom and the Anthony Boise from Sophos. Dan, Anthony, how are things? Doing well. How are you? I, I feel the same as I did last week, uh, which is uh, that I'm, I'm perfectly uh, back, to, back to health. And uh, so hopefully that, that is still the case whenever everyone's listening to this. I feel pretty good. I'm, I'm ready just to have some semblance of a summer. Uh, it's been a busy 2020 to this point, and it's been a, a crazy 2020 like it has for everybody else in so many ways. Uh, we actually had COVID hit at our house. And so it's been uh, maybe a little bit different than for a lot of people that way. But uh, glad to see that not only both of you guys are doing, uh, uh, that you're healthy and doing well, but I think the same two descriptors could be used for Anthony's beard, which nobody can see, but Dan will have to attest. It's, his COVID beard is getting very impressive at this point. I think it's nine weeks now, right? It's, uh, it's so, well, since, since lockdown. So I'm actually going on, uh, you know, so this has been since the 8th of, 8th of March. Wow. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's coming on nine, uh, about 10 to maybe 12 weeks. I can't oh, it's 12 weeks. Okay. <clears throat> so to give our listeners an idea of what I'm looking at and what Dan's looking at, since they're not going to be able to see this, <laughs> it's, not, it's not quite ZZ Top, but if you're working your way through the alphabet, it's probably like JJ Top or LL Top. It's getting, it's getting there. It's, it's beyond the chin now. It it's is. definitely into the, like the hang down territory. So it is. I mean, yeah, looking looking impressive. Thank well, you. he's gonna he's gonna grow it until COVID's over, and unfortunately, I think it's gonna be quite long. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, <laughs> you better you. you better figure out your definition of over. That's right. right? <laughs> I've got my definition. I've got I've got it. So and yeah. uh, I had to clearly define that for my wife because. Yeah. That's reason why it's it's possible the only reason that the rona beard can stick around is is because there's an end date well yeah. i don't know about a date but circumstance yeah well despite uh the lockdown and despite quarantine having hit more personally at my house i actually had for the first time i i, I think this is the first time since uh probably february that i actually had to shave two days in a row and and i'll tell you when you can go a couple days without Two days in a row, really, it doesn't feel good. You think, how did I do this all the time? How did I ever put on real people pants and shoes all the time? But I, just uh, along that line where we had COVID hit in our house and it, it was with me and then uh, my kids didn't get it or anything, you know, knock on wood. But um, we've, we finally left when I got cleared and my, my daughter, who's got a learner's permit, we went and drove around for a while. And uh, as we were getting ready to leave the house, she said, this is the first time I've put shoes on in two weeks <laughs> like wow that's i guess if you're looking for a hidden benefit you know your shoes aren't going to wear out as quickly uh when you get into pandemic season Silver lining. Uh, all right enough of the uh, virus talk and let's talk uh cybersecurity, which is what everybody's here for in the first place love this headline dan brought this to our attention uh forbes had a headline that said that 83 percent of the forbes 2000 so the top 2000 companies have their web day, the web domains poorly protected. Uh, we'll put the link to the story up on the website so you can go take a look at it over at cyber24.us. Um, 
web domains are so important to a company. This is such a valuable piece of your real estate. If anything, it's, I'd say next to like your name and your logo and probably even above your color scheme, your web domain is like a vital piece of real estate for a business. So the, this new study uh, by uh, a domain protection provider, CSC's brand services division, uh, according to this article, says that 83% of the organizations in that top 2000 have not adopted basic security protections against unauthorized changes to their who is information, DNS modifications, and other transfer away risks. Okay, I read that and I stop right there and say, now I need my expert friends to jump in and tell me. So, Anthony, you're nodding your head vigorously. You're, bite, you're chomping at the bit to get in here. What in the heck is a who is information and why is it so important for a company to know what it is and to evidently do something better than what they're doing to protect it? Yeah, so your who is, or you go to who is, uh, when you want to know who owns or who is the owner of, of, the, uh, of the domain. Yeah. So right now you can look up any domain. You just type in, you could Google who is as one word. It makes it easier. Yeah. Or it's uh, whois.com, it looks like. Or whois.com and then go to the search and type in any domain and then it will come back with the results. So it will come back with, you know, the owner. And in a lot of cases, I've got a couple of my own domains. I've got my information secured. So this is kind of part of what we're talking about, right? So protecting sort of some of that domain information. So protecting who I am by you go to my domain and, and it's going to come up with a bunch of uh, sort of random or, or sens uh, sensitive information, ob obfuscated information. Um, and then also you start to get some of the, the information regarding the name service. So, um, you know, some of the servers that are, that are used to be able to get to them, uh, as well as like the contact information. So, you know, if you need to reach out to the domain admin, and, and things like that. So you're really starting to, it's almost like the PII, the personal identifiable information right. for a domain. Yeah. So you want to protect your PII, right? Of course. And so therefore you also want to protect this information. So that's why it's important to, to know about for a small yeah. business. So, so Dan, what about, uh, I, mean, I, I guess in general, what we're talking about just to, to, to simplify and clarify is I, I went and bought a domain and I want to lock down who can actually go in and transfer ownership of that domain to someone else. Is, how, does, how does that play into DNS modifications and other transfer away risks that we should be aware of, Dan? So to Anthony's point, there's a wealth of information in your who is record. And uh, normally when you regis register a domain, that information becomes public. And anybody can do a who is search, whether they're doing it through uh, Google or whether they're doing it through a Linux, because who is is built into the Linux um, interface, uh, and it's been around for quite a long time. However, you can protect your domain information and make everything private. It's, it's called a private registration, where it actually, uh, if somebody does a who is search on your domain, and you've made it private, there's, there's nothing information, there's no information there except the proxy organization that now um, is protecting your domain information. And so then when somebody does a who is search, they can't figure out who the administrative contact is, who the technical contact is. There's no name and phone number. There's just an email address to the, the proxy organization um, that's just there for um, record keeping purposes. So that's the number one recommendation I make to any organization is lock it down. It costs 
I think it's less than $20 a year to make your domain name private and that gives you an added level, an added level of security because uh, to Anthony's point, once somebody has that information, they can then strategically try to uh, get additional information from you from that who is information or actually go to the registrar or your web host and try to impersonate you, which has been very successful in the past as well. So the number one recommendation, uh, make your domain information private. So if somebody does a who is search, there's nothing that they can use. Yeah. A couple of other interesting numbers here. 73% of the businesses uh, that they're looking at here do not use registry lock services that prevent unauthorized changes to the DNS information, um, which they say could lead to a website becoming unavailable or visitors being redirected to some other site. Uh, only 39% use DMARC email authentication protocol and uh, only 3% use DNS security extensions that protect against DNS hack or hijacking attacks. We're talking about a, a, a pool of some actually pretty big and established companies, right? To, to be on the Forbes 2000 list, that's pretty big. That's a bigger company than, than my little mom and pop shop, right? Or it's, it's, it, these are some, what should be fairly sophisticated organizations. So why do you think that this is the case that they haven't taken these steps to secure something that's as essential to their ongoing operation and viability as their web domains. And it might be not even just their main web domain. I suppose it could be all the variations that companies buy of their own domain. What, why, why do you think that is, Dan, that they don't do it? Well, I think a lot of them don't realize some of the controls that are available to them. For example, and, and some of these controls are just recent. So making uh, a change to your DNS entry or your domain registration, um, to your point, you can lock that down. It's kind of like two-factor authentication. So yeah. if somebody does get access uh, to your domain account and they make a change, you'll get a notification email saying, hey, Anthony, somebody just tried is trying to change your, um, your domain record, whether it's your DNS record or anything, your administration address or whatever. Uh, do you authorize this? And as long as you're not authorizing it, it can't be, uh, those changes won't be made. So it's, it's like multi-factor or two-factor authentication. It's an extra level of authentication that alerts the actual owner to changes that are being uh, made. And, it's, and for most uh, registrars and website hosting, those services are free. You just flip a switch, and now if anybody tries to make any type of change to your, uh, your domain name or your DNS records, you'll get notified um, about that change or about that attempt to make that change. Yeah. Anthony, what do you make of that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, and like Dan identified, um, it, it could be just a case of, I mean, there's so many competing priorities. Uh, there's so many, uh, you know, so many things that need to be done, so many places to go, so many things to, you know, it, it, there's a level of complexity. So, you know, especially when you start talking about maybe uh, smaller organizations. Now, we're talking about the, the top 2,000, right? But, but when we start talking about sort of smaller organizations, smaller shops, um, I'm going to some kind of, I'm going anywhere, I'm picking up a domain for cheap and inexpensive and then I'm getting some WordPress uh, template or some other kind of template and I just created my first website, you know, um, and, and, and it's like, it's accessible. Cool, don't touch it because it works and people can get there. And, and you start building your brand around that, right? You start, and then because I did that, I mean, 
gosh, I can do that. So now I just need to update content and I start growing and now I'll get an IT guy, but I need my IT guy doing everything else and blah, 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 blah. And you never really actually bring on a web guy. Yeah. When I first saw the number, my, my question was what I alluded to just a moment ago, which is, are they only looking at the main domain for a business? So if, you know, take, uh, let, let's just pick a company that might be on the Forbes top 2000. Let's say one that is for sure, Walmart, okay? <laughs> I, I got a friend who works at Walmart. He refers to it as the Fortune One company. Uh, so, so let's just take them. They, they probably own not only Walmart.com, but Walmart.com everything that you can possibly imagine because it's not that much of an expense to them. So I'm wondering if maybe that throws off the math a little bit. If they're looking at only the main one, then that's still a a pretty surprising and staggering number. If they're suddenly looking across all of them, you may have certain controls on your main.com or some of your main sort of offshoots of that, like a shop.whateverbusiness.com. But maybe for your, um, you know, my company dot, um, ly or something like that that you're just like eh i bought it i'm not that worried about it i'm never going to use it kind of a thing um i remember when the uh, when the triple x domains first came out that uh the organization i was with at the time we rushed to buy ours just because we didn't want to have anyone else buy it and be able to have our organization's name dot triple x make it a pornographic site and then suddenly that has some kind of reflection to our brand so i wondered if some of that kind of math uh, wood into it. But either way, I just think it's interesting to say these are some pretty sophisticated companies, one would think. And even if they've got um, the normal growing pains and so on, most of those you think would be sort of behind them. Businesses always have challenges. But you would think that when the renewal comes up, that the IT lead or someone on the IT staff would go, hey, you know what we ought to do when that popped up and just reminded me of this? We had to go check it. So it's, I, I can totally see it being a problem. I don't understand it being a problem beyond one year. And on the scale, like, I mean, the scale that we're talking about, um, we're talking about 73% of, inst- uh, for instance, do not use registry lock services. So that's, that's intriguing. The question, like you said, why? Like, it, it's, it is kind of a bit, a bit perplexing. Um, 39% use, uh, you, you, you um, kind of spelt out the acronym, but DMARC, right? And, and yeah. so... Uh, for for email authentication, uh, that's a, that's a big one, um, and and I, I think you'll actually end up seeing that as time goes on, DMARC is going to be more and more important. Uh, DMARC is a combination of a couple of checks when we start talking about email protection, uh, and so it, it it actually includes your uh, DCAM and and SPF records, and so it's showing that sort of the validity of of you owning said domain IP address and, and that the mail actually is originating from one of these locations yeah. and so on, right? So it's the combination there. And so only 39% of them are using DMARC. And then this is something I actually work with because, you know, Surfer sells an email gateway product and I work with Valcom quite regularly uh, with companies to, to implement a DMARC so that, you know, or, or to get their SPF and their DKIM uh, put in place so that, uh, their mail is actually received appropriately. It's coming from the right location with the right signatures, with those right thumbprints so that the transaction can happen. And, uh, and, it, and it's a bit more of, um, from an authenticated perspective uh, to, to the recipient. So it's something that they could trust. But when we're talking about only 39% of, just as an example, 39% of uh, these Fortune uh, 2000 are, are using DMARC. I mean, that's just another example of like why 
are we having this discussion in today's day and age where protecting your DNS uh, records and protecting, you know, against these type of DNS attacks and, and letting your domain expire and getting, getting taken or getting hijacked or whatever it is. Um, there's some things in place, just like Dan referenced earlier, uh, easy things in place to, to help mitigate that. Yeah. Well, here, here's a quick rundown uh, to protect your domain. And, and Anthony, make sure I don't forget anything. We've covered a lot. So let's, let's run down a checklist. So take your Whois record private, number one. Easy to do, uh, less than 20 bucks a year. Um, lock, your, uh, lock any changes to your uh, domain names so that you will get an alert or notification if anybody does that. Turn on two-factor authentication for your web hosting and for whoever's hosting your domain name. Um, Register, register the .NET uh, domain suffixes and uh, the .US and, and the other ones too so you can keep um, the hackers from trying to spoof those names. Uh, and also register names that are similar to yours because we see a lot of uh, email spoofing or domain name spoofing when somebody's changing something that looks really simpler, similar to your name. So look at easy combinations that you can switch around that would be obvious, wouldn't be obvious to somebody who receives your email and say, let's, let's register those names that are similar um, so we're not, we don't fall victim to domain name spoofing. Anthony, did I miss anything? Yeah, I think that they're really good ones to get started for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You make an interesting point there, Dan, about uh, domain names that look similar. The way your brain actually processes things once you're a fully literate adult, at least in English speaking, is if it's got the first letter and the last letter mm -hmm. and the right letter, generally the right letters in the middle, they can be almost in any order and your brain will still read it that way. So it's, it's really an easy way for, for hackers to have access. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom right after this. Allowing your employees to bring in their own devices is like allowing them to bring in a security time bomb to your workplace. So how do you take the burden of onboarding so many new devices off your IT department without sacrificing security or policy enforcement? Look no further than Aruba ClearPass. ClearPass allows you to safely connect business and personal devices to your network in compliance with your security policies. It allows you to allocate access to devices based on users' roles, device type, and cybersecurity posture. At Valcom, they're all about saving you time while still protecting your privacy. Dismantle your time bombs at vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. That's vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. You know, I've yet to meet an IT professional who loves waiting hour upon hour to diagnose the problem with your server. They just don't care for it. The good news is they don't have to. Hewlett Packard Enterprises' new info site for servers provides continuous proactive health monitoring and recording for thousands of system parameters 24-7 right on the server. InfoSight then derives insights from the behaviors of the install base to provide recommendations to resolve problems and improve performance. It learns as it goes. Let Valcom help you not only save time, but also your sanity by visiting vlcmtech.com servers. That's vlcmtech.com servers. Welcome back to the Cyber24 Podcast presented by Valcom, Dan Schuyler, Anthony Boise, and Marty Carpenter. Uh, Wall Street Journal article out this week that said, uh, essentially had a collection of reader responses about life on Zoom. And it wanted to talk about Zoom 
fatigue and uh, without getting into sort of all these different case studies, because I think we could ask everybody what they think about uh, life having shifted to where it feels like we're always on a Zoom meeting of some type or another, uh, not necessarily brand specific, but you know, we're, all, we're always on some of these online meetings in one way or another throughout the week. So uh, let's just pose a couple quick questions uh, for you. First, uh, if Zoom is the new normal going forward, if there is uh, like an end date to the pandemic, uh, are you guys all in on continuing with meetings like this or are you anxious to get back to in-person face-to-face meetings? Well, just to start off, um, at the start of this episode, you, you definitely made a, uh, a reference to my JJ Top beard and about how that I've got a, how that I've got a face for radio. So yeah. um, <laughs> I didn't you, say that part. I mean, you added that. I would never. <laughs> okay, imply, but it's yeah, really. I, did, I didn't even imply it. No, no, you. T- that's that's your own thing. That's you your issue. To tell through this Zoom virtual yeah. meeting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if I was in person, I would have been able to, we would have been able to hug this out. But, that's right. That's right. But yeah. So, you know, it's, some of this for me is actually going to even be dictated by, uh, by my organization, right? Um, so I, I work for a, a large organization where we've got over 3000 employees and, and there's global uh, factors that they're taking in. So despite what I desire to do, uh, there's going to be a, a, a bigger and overruling kind of uh, decision made there. But uh, based on the nature of my business, uh, my business is about being with people, right? It's, it's about actually having the face-to-face contact. It's about having the, you know, the shaking of the hand and, and even the hug in some cases and, and being able to sit down with them and, and we talk through challenges, you know, in the cybersecurity space and, and, uh, and actually genuinely creating relationships and, and uh, solving problems together. So I, for, for me, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a welcome day when that, when that happens. Yeah. Dan, all in or ready to get back to normal? I'm, I'm ready to get back to normal. I completely <laughs> agree with, with Anthony. There is a place for video conferencing, certainly. Uh, we're going to be doing this for a while. Some organizations are going to um, stay with remote work for, for a variety of reasons, more efficiencies, what have you. Um, but I agree with Anthony, face-to-face uh, meetings are more personal, personable, uh, they're, they're more interactive, um, I think you get a lot more results out of them, and they're, they're a lot more fun. I mean, I, I enjoy being on the Zoom call with you guys, but I'd much rather be in person. Yeah, our studio sessions are pretty fun as well. You know, I, I was wondering about this when I, when I read through this article. Uh, you know, what do they say? It takes like 28 days to make a habit. You know, if you can just go to the gym every day for 28 days, then your body will crave it. Or if you just go for a run or if you just eat healthy for X amount of days, you can reset things. But in your brain, you can set a pattern. So we're well into like the 100 plus days at this point of this being the new normal. And I I wonder if we'll ever like when we do get back together, has the habit set in that we don't shake hands or are we going right back? To, to where we were on shaking hands. And I wonder if we'll just ever be able to shake that stigma or if we do, how long it will take for things to kind of slowly get back to normal. That's presuming that this ends and that there's no sort of uh, next wave of it, I suppose. What do you, what do you think? We're going to jump right back in? I, th- I think there's going to be some initial social norm uh, distancing <laughs> differences. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I don't necessarily think that that's terrible. Uh, you know, I... I, I think it's a great opportunity to 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 uh, you know to reengage and to to reconnect with uh, 
how much we took for granted just the opportunity to actually be with individuals and to, you know, the, the sensation of, of, again, whether it was a hug or whether it was a, a shake of the hand or a high five or whatever. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I think it's going to be refreshing when we can, when we, you know, when we feel comfortable to kind of get back to that. But you can't be ignorant. It, it's it's going to need to be some, uh, you're going to need to do some body language reading with the individuals that you're with, right? You're going to have to is gonna so I think that's probably gonna be the toughest part. It's like I'm gonna kind of go in and you're gonna kind of come in and then we're gonna yeah. look at, you know so there's gonna be this fun little kind of game and I think we can make a joke out of it. It's the most yeah. and I we think all get to go back to junior high, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just yeah, like yeah. it's a junior high dance. What's who's yeah. making a move? Who's gonna? Exactly. Well, uh, I appreciate you guys joining us uh, each week on Zoom and uh, do look forward to when we get the chance to at least have the option to be back in person. Uh, in, in some cases, yes, super convenient to be able to just say. Hey, I've been working on this. I don't have any travel time to the next meeting to the next place. I just open it up and boom, I'm into a meeting until you get to the end of the day and realize my Apple watch has now told me eight times that I need to stand up and I haven't hardly stood up. <laughs> you know, I, I got one the other day. In fact, it was just yesterday. My watch beeped and said, you know, usually you're further along and your rings like this. And I looked at my watch and said, based on which timeline, like four months ago. Yes. I had them closed by this point. But today, like over the last four months, I'm there's no chance, no chance. So Barry, you don't know me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, geez, you're on my wrist all the time. You think you would know something about me? So uh, well, I'm our, I'm looking forward, Marty, to when we can do the recording back in the studio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, although I, you know, that means we all have to wear shoes, and you know, <laughs> they can't wear shorts, and then someone's got to shave. Maybe actually, you don't have to shave for the podcast. Don't worry about it. So, right. Uh, all right. Dan Schuyler, Anthony Boise, thanks for your time. And uh, that'll wrap it up for this edition of the Cyber 24 Podcast presented by Valcom. This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out vlcmtech.com to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. Cyber24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Kem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.